want to take a moment to thank Garmin for their very generous support of our yearly habits challenge and fundraiser. Enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare, and Garmin leads the way by creating superior products that are engineered on the inside for life on the outside, right in our backyard in Cochrane, Alberta, which is where product development is done on many of the devices that you know and love. Like us, Garmin believes in making the most of the time you spend pursuing your passions. And with their help, we want to help you power your potential all year long. Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. How do we balance? Like the things that I do determine who I am, but not all the things that I do are a reflection of who I am because they're both true. And that's where like balance comes in. And when you start to develop a really solid identity as a human being and you have a strong self-image and you feel self-assured and self-confident, you don't judge yourself by every decision that you make. You don't judge yourself by every day. You don't judge yourself by every week. Hey everyone, Meredith here. And we are officially in that weird week that in between Christmas holiday and New Year's, I don't know what to call it. No one knows what to do. I don't even know who I am. What day is it? So we're going to talk about it on today's episode. What the week is, what people struggle with, what we struggle with, how we think about it, and how we think you should think about it in the context of the rest of the year and your many years to come. So we'll get right into it. I'm in my Breathe Right strip era. Yeah. And one of your Breathe Right strips got attached to my glove in the car. And I was like... I was trying to decide if that was worse or better than a used Band-Aid. I think probably better. I mean, think about it. It doesn't have like bodily fluids on it. (laughs) Yes. But it's definitely, there are moments when I realize like, this is what being in a solid relationship looks like. It means I can wear a Breathe Right strip during the day. And even when we go out in public and I think you're okay with it. I've stopped caring. And also we live in Fernie. Yeah. So like, does anyone care? No. Don't think so. I do wish... I don't know. Like, have you ever worn one? No, I was actually just looking at it. And it's hard to imagine it working because the sides of it are coming up. It doesn't really even look like it's on your nose. It just looks like the top part is attached. It's mostly attached. I oh, think like okay. my nose is a little oh, okay. bit on the smaller side. So it, the ends stick up. Okay. But it like pulls your nostrils open. Yeah. And, you know, I have like some sinus issues. Yeah. So I, it is really working for me. It's, it's working in one way for you. Oh, it's not working in that other way? No. Not do I can get clear ones. I don't know if that would be better. I don't know. They're really sticky, though. That's part of why they work so well. And then they're like, they're kind of rigid on the top. So like rigid and sticky, it just wants to like be straight. Yeah, I can see that. It looks like it wants to be straight. Yeah. Whenever I take them off, though, I think like, here's a million dollar idea. Combine a Breathe Right strip and like a Biore strip, like a blackhead remover. <laughs> yeah. Just those two things in one product million dollar idea i don't think that would work 
you've worn a lot of Breathe Right strips in the last few days. So if each one of those was like ripping out your like inner pores. Yeah. I feel like that would cause some damage. Well, I mean, it would only remove what it can remove. Like it's not going to go deeper every time. It just gets. (laughs) No, but wouldn't it just like start irritating? Like it would be stickier. I don't know. I don't honestly know how blackhead strips work. I just find them like immensely satisfying on the rare occasion that I use them. Which, like, I wonder if they actually, do they do anything? I mean, besides, like, they are clearly... Are they, like, ear candles? I don't know. But they're, like... You think they're working, but it's just a hoax? Yeah. It's, like, because your body has natural oils, like, there's always going to be something that comes off of a Biore strip. Yeah. I don't know. We need to research this. Yeah. All right. Table that. But anyways, the other day... So we have, obviously, Rue and then two cats. And Rue does this really weird thing at night. When, like, we go to bed, we're all going upstairs, and for some reason, her nighttime duty when she's in the bedroom is to guard the door and prevent the cats from coming in. And it's not even a game. She takes it seriously. And it's like, it's been getting more and more serious. So Ivy's duty, she'll try to sneak in and then basically just beelines for the bathtub because she knows Rue won't get in the bathtub, which, like, hilarious twist of events. What if we filled the bathtub up? So then Ivy's like, wee, I'm escaping. And then like lands in the bathtub. That would be funny for us, not for her. Okay, Ivy's sitting here on my lap and she heard that. I can tell she didn't hear that because she's still curled up. To me, if she were curled up to you, she would have left you Mm -hmm. by now. Okay. So anyways, Rue guards the door and protects us from our own cats that we hang out with all day. So anyways, I put something up on Instagram the other day. It's like a video of her doing that with Ivy like on the stairs and it was like, sorry, you can't come in. And like, do you know, like Carly Fuhrer, who is kind of like our vintage CrossFit Games athlete to win in, I don't know, 2016 or 17 or both. I don't know. Anyway, she has this dog, Danner, who's a border collie, but like a red one. And like, I remember people's dogs, especially when they're dogs that I really like. And as you know, I really like border collies and like, I really like red border collies. And so I'm like, I'm aware of Danner. I've known about Danner for a long time. Big fan, big admirer. And she sends this message back to the video. And she said, ah, she has the same butt hair that Danner used to have. Crying emoji face. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I was like, Danner died. Danner died. And so I'm like, shoot. Because like, that's, I like Danner. Yeah. That's sad. We know you've established that. So I was like on her page and I'm like scrolling. I'm trying to like, because you would, you know, potentially post about that, but there was nothing there. And so I'm like trying to figure out what the, I'm like, oh, shoot, what do I say back? I like gave it some thought. I like tried on a few things in my head. And finally I came back with, oh, the brown ones are really the best ones. When did you lose Danner? <laughs> you know, that just felt like the right let thing to guess, say. Let me guess. Let me guess. The hair changed. Yeah. The dog's she, not dead. She said, OMG, he's still with us. But since he's an old man, his hair has changed a ton. So I'm just like super mortified that like I basically forced her to go into a mental space where, you know, to like. Banner's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, please ignore me. I'm the worst person. I was like, I was like on your page trying to figure it out. I didn't know what to say. It just like threw me off. Like Danner's going to live until he's 20 or 30, just like Rue. Just forgive me. Carry on. So I was just like mortified. I mean, there's worse things that you could say to a person. I know. But I get it. It was just no pet owner wants to make another pet owner go there. I know. Were you like 
No, never. That was like when we were on a team call. It was probably a year and a half ago and we did our team building exercise where we like did goals for the future yeah. or like whatever the exercise was. Mm -hmm. And it all made us realize that our pets weren't going to be alive forever. Literally everyone on the call. Because you're like... It's like, I think Jill has like dogs that are a little bit older. Yeah. And so it was like, where do you want to be in 10 years? Which is an impossible question to ask. But we did our best with it. And yeah, that was tough. Yeah. I mean, Ivy will still be here in 10 years because she's only four. Yeah. And like Mel, also four. Rue. Yeah. Gonna we're going to have a lot of senior animals. I know. At the same time. Mm hmm. And then we'll have a lot of babies, too, because we'll just we'll have like a lot of different ages, probably. Oh, will we? <laughs> yeah. I love how the other day we got into a fight and this is your response when we're in a fight. You like put in a request to get a puppy. I did. And I never heard back. Well, I'm not. Did you like that. message them and you're like, please ignore that application that just, just came through? We're just having a fight. She's the type of person who will adopt a pet when she's in a fight with her spouse. Do you want her to adopt his pet? <laughs> She's volatile. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I felt like I wasn't getting the attention I deserved from you. Okay. And so I put in an application to adopt a golden retriever. Okay. So that I could get the due attention that I deserve from at least something. They are obsessed with humans. Yeah. So I thought if I had my own golden retriever, then yeah. I wouldn't need you anymore. Okay, but how mad that would is, you be? Well, that is full. Like, that's logical. Oh, no, I know that's where you were going. Okay. How mad would you be if you had got the golden retriever and it liked you and more? it was like obsessed with me? I would have a huge problem with that. But how would you deal with it? Like, I would through. probably get another dog. So your solution is to just keep getting. Yeah. Like, until one of them food. likes me more. Mm. Okay. The good thing is Rue, she's an equal opportunist. She is. She doesn't have a favorite. No. Even though I'm the nice and the cool and the fun mom. Yeah. Like she seems to like. She likes it when you give her a hard time, when you correct her, when you make her do things the way you want them done. She likes that. She wants to work for yeah, you. But yeah, but she, she likes playing with me. She likes getting away with a little bit more. Yeah, like you have no boundaries. No. When I picked her up from the trainer, she was at the trainer for three weeks while we were away. And we came back to Fernie and then I had to go back to Calgary and pick her up. And she did pretty well. She was very excited because she was very upset when we left her with the trainer. And so she was very excited to see me. We were outside of Bass Pro Shop, but she settled down like pretty quickly. Like she contained herself. And I told that trainer, I was like, man, if Alex was the one picking this dog up, like she would come completely unglued. You just put her over threshold like immediately. I know because I'm so awesome. Yeah. But yeah, and I don't know. And I'm sad it didn't work out with the Golden Retriever okay. or it hasn't yet. That's the third animal that I've like tried to adopt. Wait, that hasn't worked out. What? Well, there was the three-legged cat. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And then there was the one, the kitten I put in for. After we got Mel. Yeah. She was adopted Thank in goodness. between the time that I applied and heard back. Okay. And then this last one. Okay. I so, guess that's good. We'll see. I mean, I'll keep trying. When the time is right. And I, I guess. Yeah. Anyways. You just always have to keep vigilant on the adoption websites to find the right one. Or I have to keep vigilant with the amount of attention that you get so that you stop wanting to adopt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I see the game you're playing. Mm -hmm. All right. It may be more effective if you were like, you know what? I'm going to start adopting reptiles. <laughs> then you'd probably, I would probably, yeah. 
All right. Wow. Okay. So we're in that weird in between week between the Christmas holiday and New Year's. I always like struggle with this because, like, on a societal level, most people take off that week, right? Like Christmas holiday to New Year's, but not everyone observes Christmas. Yeah. It's like a secular time off. So anyways, I always feel like I don't like saying like Merry Christmas or like, you know, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. But it is a marker of like, it is the holiday. Yeah. So I've been trying to say the Christmas holiday. Or the holidays. Yeah. But if you're talking about like the date. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I find like the Christmas holiday sounds better to me than the week between Christmas and New Year's because there's other holidays. What did you call that last time? The starts with a P? The the perineum of the calendar year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the taint of the year. It's just like this weird week where you're like, what do I do with this? Like, obviously, I don't start anything until after the new year, but I have nothing planned. So, like, who even am I? But it can still be pleasurable. Okay. (laughs) You went there. You just, you just went there. So, so I've heard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little, like a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. Like week. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> as you can tell, we're struggling with the idea as well. If we're talking about the week on the calendar, I do enjoy that. Okay. That downtime. But if we're not talking about the week, you don't enjoy I, it? I don't have much experience with the other part of the conversation. Do you want to have experience? Meredith. Okay, we'll table that. We'll focus on the week. Yeah. That's for the other podcast. Oh, right. The subscribers yeah. only. Coming soon in 2024, <laughs> a subscribers only podcast where Meredith and Alex tell Oh, We might start charging you guys to hear some of this stuff. So. Maybe. But like a lot of people have the week off. But even if you don't, I used to go to work during that week because, you know, we ran a, a lab like the cells don't take the week off. Someone has to go in there. And I got to say, like, it is a bomb week to go to work because no one's around. You come in and, like, do whatever small amount of work you have, and then you go home, and it counts for a full week. And then later in January, you get to, like, recomp that. So everyone's working full hours, and you're like, you know what? I think I would like to take this week off, and it's really nice. Yeah, but there's also value in, like, actually taking the week off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just saying that for all my people who are actually working yeah it's not the worst okay to go back to the perineum okay which day is the butthole (laughs) um oh my god (laughs) okay (laughs) don't answer that i just wanted to say it yeah i don't know i don't know how we i don't know how we assign that okay you listener out there you decide i always tended to have like worse diarrhea on new year's day because you like stay up late drinking <laughs> true, eating true. whatever so yeah yeah my digestion was the like, first awful. is the butthole because you're hungover okay let's go with that yeah okay let me solve that part of the equation yeah if you're spending this part of your dead week with us listening to this gotta say thank you i gotta say get a life <laughs> <laughs> hit pause go outside do literally anything else yeah so I guess we were getting serious about it. Yeah. Let's get serious. Okay. Enough is enough. Agreed. Agreed. Talk. We went way too far there. Yeah. Way too far. Yes. 
a lot of people do struggle with this week and like the holidays in general. But I think this week is particularly difficult because a lot of times you're with family, maybe you're traveling, you can be just like generally off routine. Maybe you're tired and actually like relaxing for the first time in a little while. And that can feel conflicting, especially if you aren't someone who is accustomed to taking downtime or maybe people feel straight up. And I've been this person and am some days for sure, like feel guilty for not being in quotes productive. But rest can be productive. It can be. Mental rest, physical rest, emotional rest. In wintertime, so unless you live at the equator, which some people do and we hate them, if you live, you know, north or south of the equator, there are seasons and times where there's just less sun. So in the northern hemisphere where we are, the wintertime is a time where there's fewer daylight hours. And we're a species where if we just left our own devices, living the life of our ancestors, hunter-gatherers, Generally, like you're less active in the wintertime. You sleep more, you rest more, you recover from the summertime where you're awake more and doing more and all that stuff. So there's like a biological prerogative towards rest and recovery, things like that in the winter. What happens in the fall? Like a lot of people have their busiest times of year, like at work, right before the holidays. It's when like the fiscal calendar ends. Like if you work in retail, like God bless you. If you are a teacher, God bless. Gut, yep. It's just like a lot. There's exams if you're a student or a teacher. So we kind of do the opposite of what we're designed to do. So then like you get to this week and you're just like, oh my God, I just want to like lay down. But if you're not in that habit, because it's just like grind, 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 grind every day, even if you really want to rest, there's like part of you that's like, no, we can't. We're not supposed to do that. And I think, you know, for a lot of people who are working on their nutrition or fitness or both, it can be a really like mentally challenging week when you're establishing kind of a new identity, a new set of habits. Like how does a week like the perineum week, taint week, fit into the landscape of being an overall healthy person? Yeah, I mean, a lot of our clients, we take the week off from work or try to from check-ins. And there are two reasons for that. Number one, for us to have a break from work. And two, to allow the client to just have some flexibility and freedom and not have to be like answering to a coach yeah, or be on their phone or even be tracking food. And I think a lot of people, even people who start like in December with coaching or not even coaching, just like, hey, I'm going to do the holiday challenge. Or even if it's not associated with tactic, it's just like, I want to have a really solid December to like finish the year off strong. It can be difficult when this week shows up and it's like, well, yeah, there is a lot of guilt. And it probably feels weird to have a coach who is supposed to be helping them dial in. Yeah. Say like, hey, have some flexibility this week. Talk to you on Monday. But there is so much value in that. And of course, like the flexibility can look different for everybody. Like, you know, for some people, it is really like letting loose to a degree, at least on a couple days, maybe. But then for other people, it's just like a little bit. So it looks different for everybody. Yeah. But I think there's that same kind of like guilty feeling can creep up with most people. Yeah. I think this whole concept that James Clear has popularized and that, I mean, if you've read Atomic Habits, like you've seen the line, which is something along the lines of like every decision you make is a vote 
for the person who you want to become or something like that. And that's true. Like over time, the repetitions of the things that you do, the decisions that you make, they do start to shape your identity and who you are. But with that said, like not every decision that you make is a reflection of who you are. And so that's a really complicated line to navigate is like, how do we balance like the things that I do determine who I am, but not all the things that I do are a reflection of who I am because they're both true. And that's where like balance comes in. And when you start to develop a really solid identity as a human being and you have a strong self-image and you feel self-assured and self-confident, you don't judge yourself by every decision that you make. You don't judge yourself by every day. You don't judge yourself by every week. So you can go through a day where you're less active or you're not as diligent with your food, or you can go through a week where you're less active or not as diligent with your food, or maybe you have one or two more drinks than you would normally have in a week, but you're connecting with friends and family in a way that serves another value. And while that may not be a reflection of like your normal and the way that you live your life every day, you can accept it for what it is and not allow it to like tank your self-image. You don't feel the conflict to the same degree. But I think when people struggle with their identity or they don't have strong self-image, they don't have a lot of confidence, they haven't maybe developed habits or they're maybe in the process of changing their yeah. identity or how they see themselves. Yeah. A lot of times it is easy to let every single decision and everything that you do like reflect back on you and judge yourself for those things, like every single thing in a day. And I think the negative, and again, it's in quotes, it's like, because negative for one person might mean something different for somebody else. But like having a day off tracking, drinking like more wine, having some extra dessert, you look at that and even in the midst of like a good week, then somebody will say, I'm not healthy, I'm not a healthy person. But if you flip that around and you have somebody who's eating maybe fast food or takeout or whatever, like stuff that's considered maybe less nutritious. And then they plug in like a really healthy meal. That person's not saying to themselves, like, I'm a really healthy person. I mean, maybe, but it seems like the more negative something is or the more negative somebody sees something, an action, a meal, a week off, like that penetrates their self-worth and their self-identity more than the opposite. Like you need more good more like what you want your identity to be for you to actually believe that that's who you are. Whereas you need a little bit of bad or something that goes against like wanting the new identity for it to really have an impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it really does all come down to kind of that narrative, that story that you tell yourself to a large degree and like what you believe. I think the shift for people is it's difficult when they're early in the process of changing their behaviors, of changing their belief. Like, how do you catch someone? Like, let's say just theoretically, we're at the end of December. Let's say someone started making improvements to their diet and their nutrition in October. They're two months in. They're early in the process. Mm -hmm. As much as you can say to that person, like, it's okay. It's just a week. It's not going to matter. They are coming into this process with potentially years of not doing the things that they wish they had been doing. Yeah. And so it's understandably like a very difficult shift to make, but it's one that long-term, number one, gets easier. Then number two is required. To, to them, it isn't like I'm working on establishing a balance. Yeah. And this more flexible week 
is part of that balance. To them, it's I'm slipping back. Yeah. So it becomes like, how do you get someone like that to trust themselves? And that's like, you know, I know we're early in this process. I know you're just making some changes, but you can trust yourself. You can trust that you're doing your best. And even if this week is different than the weeks leading into it, like you can trust that nothing has to change. You don't have to adjust. Like you're going to keep doing your best and that's going to be enough. You can trust it. And there's an element of self-love and acceptance in there too. But if you can get someone to start to believe that and, you know, there's a lot of power in affirmations every day. And that's the reason why those are in our habits challenge and a really positive affirmation for someone to say when you get up on one of these weird in-between days is like, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing enough. Yeah. Like find small wins. A lot of people during this time are visiting with friends, visiting with family. That means a lot of dinners out, means a lot of social time. And so maybe the focus, if you're someone who tracks macros, instead of, you know, logging your food or hitting your macros every day, it's establishing a really solid high protein breakfast because that's something that can remain constant for you or even like a really solid lunch or making sure you get some movement every day. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's finding the, the moderation for you. Moderation can look very different in this week than it does in a typical October week. For me, moderation is one cookie a day, every day of the week. I have one cookie. Yeah. At Christmas time, moderation I don't even know how many cookies I eat because I always have like little bites of different cookies because my mom makes a bunch of different ones. It was probably three. And it's like, you know what? That's okay for me. I have a week where I eat more cookies. It's not so much that it's like I'm going over the top for me. It's not too much. I don't feel bad. Yeah. It's right. And it's, it's the right balance. Yeah. And I mean, there might be some people out there who are working really hard on their nutrition. And maybe they have to go spend the holidays with their family who doesn't eat well. And so historically, they get pulled into their family's way of eating around Christmas. And maybe there's, you know, some pressure. Maybe there's some judgment. You don't eat that way or you don't drink that way. So maybe for that person, the right balance is actually doing a little less than normal because that's going to be what feels good to that person. So again, like this idea of balance, it depends on the person, but it all goes back to like, I'm okay. I'm making these decisions that feel the best to me this week, even if they're slightly different than the decisions that I make on an everyday basis. Like, it's okay. Yeah. I think the big takeaway in nutrition is when you start focusing on your nutrition or your habits or your lifestyle, your fitness, it's not black and white. It's not like you get to a destination where like all of a sudden the balance is there. You don't have to think about it. You're just confident. Like, yes, you build confidence, you build habits, you build structure, you build patterns, but it's a constant balancing act Yeah, to find what's right for you, right in the situation. And like the more experience you have in finding that balance, the more confidence you have going into new or similar situations. But there's nothing wrong with always being somewhat like intentional about a day or a meal. Like that's normal and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. Like, yeah, maybe you don't have to think quite as much going in and have a plan because you feel more confident in being able to make a decision in the moment when we are faced with like things that are more tempting. But this idea that you never really have to think about it and it just becomes very, very easy. Like, I just don't know if that exists for people. No. It's a constant balance, I think. And not so much that it takes away from your life, but it's just like, you just think about it. It's the same thing like you think about like, how much weight should I use today on the barbell? 
Yeah. What's or, right for me today? How am I feeling? Or like, how long do I want to walk for today? What route should I take outside? Like, those aren't decisions that plague you. No. It's no different than like, hmm, what should I order at dinner tonight? How am I feeling? How does this food serve me? They aren't like emotionally exhausting questions that you're thinking about constantly. But they are questions that you ask yourself. And the more time you spend and the more intentional you are, the better and the more confident you get with those decisions. Yeah. And that's what we're aiming for. And the answer is going to look different on a week like this week than it might in October, like I was saying. But it's like the same, like, I mean, with finances, like most people walk around with some idea of their finances and they make spending decisions accordingly. Mm -hmm. And some weeks or months, there might be more spending. But you kind of do that within the context of your budget, like what you have saved, what you know is coming up. Like these are all informed decisions, mostly if you have good spending habits, which I mean, there's so many parallels between spending, saving and nutrition, but it's not that kind of awareness and just the constant thinking is really similar. And people love to say like, well, if you're constantly thinking about food, then you have a disordered relationship with food. And yes, there are certainly people who are thinking about food in a very disordered way, but that's different than just having a general awareness of not only what you're having to eat for the day, but how that fits into the landscape of like the overall pattern of your nutrition. And that's as close as you can get to moving through your day mindlessly, like not, I guess, quote unquote, thinking about food. It just sort of runs in the background, which is how I would say I exist with food. Like it's back there, I'm aware, but I'm not like, you know, neurotic about what goes on my plate. That makes sense. Yeah, and just to kind of, I guess, reiterate what you just said like i think a lot about what needs to be done in the house what i need to pick up what i need to clean where i need to tidy like oh i'll grab that and put it in but that's kind of how you keep things tidy and clean like always in the day you're faced with like kind of cleaning up you eat you clean up you do the laundry you have to fold it like it's just kind of in the back of your mind like what's next right it's not that different with nutrition because we're faced with the decision to eat every few hours. You get to practice it multiple times a day. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be anything more than like, oh, I'll fold the laundry in an hour or I'll do the whites now. It's the same with finances or with chores. Now that I'm on this, maybe every day you mop on Monday. And that's great because it takes the thinking out of it. And so that's not different than saying like every Monday we have this for dinner for my family. Yeah. Every Saturday is pizza night pizza and salad. And it's just like, it's less to think about. That structure requires less thinking. But in a week like this week, maybe you can't have quite that structure. So there's a little bit more thinking, but it's not stressful. It's just like, okay, it's different today. Yeah. It still needs to be done. I still want to get the laundry done, but it's going to look a little different this week. Yeah. In like, again, like accepting that that's part of it is what empowers sustainability in the process. Yeah. Like it really, like all of these, like these oscillations that at the beginning feel really big up and down, like when you play that out over a long period of time, it's just a flat line because it all evens out. And there's imperfection built into the process because we're imperfect. Like to be human is to live in a constant state of flux. Like we're never really in a steady state until we're dead. So being able to adjust and accept different seasons of life, events, things that you can't plan for, that has to be built into the process because there's no other way to go around it. The only person not balancing and adapting right now is Danner. I know. Danner's doing what Danner wants to do. <laughs> he's like, I've been doing the same shit for years. No, but I'll oh, tell you I what. I thought because he's dead. Yeah. 
Oh, I see. Okay. That was a little, that was like a joke and then another joke. That was too highbrow for me, Alex. You missed it. Hey, did you know Garmin has a whole line of devices designed to help you live your most active and healthy life? And many of those devices are developed and tested in Canada, right here in our backyard in Cochrane, Alberta. Smart activity trackers, fashion smart watches, smart scales, running and adventure watches. Garmin has everything you need to keep track of your fitness, improve your strength, monitor your sleep, and see how all of those things can create a better you. Choose your healthiest life. Choose Garmin. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you an example of this. And it's not in the context of this week. It's just a conversation I had with someone yesterday who has, they've been a client of mine for a, like a pretty long time. And there's kind of like bouts of compliance and then like periods of non-compliance. Just like life gets in the way. Like there's still value. There's conversation. Like nutrition coaching is not always having perfect nutrition. So anyways, they said to me yesterday, I'm ready to like get back on board and start focusing on me again. And so I asked like, okay, well, what does that mean? And so it was, I'm going to get back to working out and tracking my food. I think that was the two things, Mm -hmm. the food tracking. And so I asked the question, like, what needs to happen? Because typically like this person sort of works in four week bouts. So I said, what needs to happen this time to ensure that you're still doing these things four weeks from now without overextending yourself towards burnout? And there was some talk of workouts And then with food, what they said was, I feel like the plan is already set. It's simply a matter of putting in some time to plan and execute it, which I thought was like to me, I'm like, well, what is the plan? Like we haven't talked about a plan. So I just asked like, what is the plan like in your words? And it, well, it's like back to basics, tracking, typical breakfast, lunch, snacks, dinner is tricky because my partner is the one who cooks it and I don't cook it. Mm -hmm. So I can't track it. And So then the conversation became like, well, what if you didn't track dinner? Like, as long as there's nothing really bizarre being cooked, like, what if you just tracked everything else and had targets for the rest of the day and then dinner is just what it is? It's like a blocked meal. Exactly. Yeah. And then it, you know, it was like, I just don't understand the, how that would work. I think, you know, following something to a T gives me the best chance at success. So I said, okay, so where does following something to a T leave you in the long run? Mm -hmm. Like play that out for me if you're even able to do that. And they kind of joked and said, I'm absolutely shredded and look the best I ever have. So then they said, it's more of a time versus effort analogy. If To a certain degree, if effort is not maintained over time, it won't work. So if I can put in more effort now, in theory, it should take less time to reach my goals, which I'm like, when have I ever said anything like that? But then it also, I mean, I'm obviously not in the conversation, but just to say, Whatever you do to get to your goal, and even the faster you get there, especially if it's a physical change, you have to keep doing that to maintain it. So I basically pointed out, like, that's not a sustainable thing to do. And then it was like, you know, I don't see how it's not sustainable. And then said, I don't see an option but to track every meal. My biggest fear is if I stop, I will undo it all and will end up unhealthy and unable to do what I want physically. So I'm like, just to make sure I'm following you, you think that the only option is to track every single meal in the long run, because if you don't, you will end up unhealthy and incapable. And the answer was eventually, yes. Like, that's the belief. But it doesn't change what she's having for dinner. They, 
it doesn't change what they're having for dinner. And to my point, I'm like a 75% approach is far more sustainable. You just let go of the fact that you can't control dinner because you're never going to be able to control dinner. And the fact that, you know, you're going to do something 75% shouldn't stop you from doing it. And the response there was, if someone gets 75% on a test, it's not good enough. It can be done better. And so for me, I said, well, what, what percent would you give yourself in the past three months? That was my question. And they said, failing grade, under 50%. And so I said, so would you say that 75% would be a great improvement over what you're doing now? And it was, yes, it would be a great improvement. And so I said, this is the whole thing because our program, the program that you signed up to do, number one, the intention is for people to not track macros forever. We don't want that. And number two, like we want to use macros as an educational tool where you're learning, but we're also learning about flexibility and inclusion and getting experience and positive results using an imperfect approach because that is life. And if you can't learn that, if you can't accept that, then you'll always, always, always fail. You'll be stuck in this cycle forever. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, if you average that out over a long period of time, you're not going to be anywhere near 75%. Your average over time is going to be like 50 at best. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And then there's like another thing, which like compliance, it doesn't necessarily mean tracking every single meal. Tracking does not equal success. No, it's just a tool. All it is is a tool. It's educational. I mean, you could plug numbers into that app every single day. Like, well, that's the thing. People are like, should I track when I'm on vacation? You know, I can estimate. I mean, for the most part, like my opinion is no, I don't think that you should. Unless like there's something that it helps you with in that moment. But understanding like long term, the answer is no. Sometimes putting it in an app can help create a lot of mindfulness for a person. Yeah. I mean, that's what so I So I'm mean. like, okay, they know it's not going to be perfect because you can't weigh and measure everything on vacation unless mm -hmm. you're staying in an Airbnb and cooking every meal for yourself, which is not typical. But there's a downside to tracking on vacation, I think. And that's because people know that it isn't very accurate. Yeah. And it's so difficult to do because you're looking at a meal like, I don't know what's in this. And it's multiple days in a row, probably, where you have this. And you're eating foods, maybe not even typical restaurants. Like, maybe I know how to track when we go out to the brick house here. I've had that meal enough that I know how much is in it. Like, I know how to track it. It's in my thing. Like, so when you're going out in a regular week at home and you're tracking a meal out, that's more doable. Plus, you're on vacation. Yeah, Don't exactly. be on your phone logging stuff unless it's very valuable to you. But it's like, there's just as much value, if not more, in going into dinner being like, which decision aligns with my goals right now? Yeah. Like, okay, I talked to Alex earlier and we decided that, you know, we're going to limit alcohol to two drinks per night. So I'm going to have two drinks. Maybe I would have had four if not for that conversation. Yeah. Like what feels right to me? Again, like how am I feeling today? What's on the menu? What is everyone else having? Can I share a dish? Yeah. Sharing dessert? Like there's still thoughtfulness. Yep. But it's Success isn't determined by tracking your food. And holding yourself to some impossible standard every single day, yeah. especially this week. I'm I like, mean, it's we've said this before, but if someone's like just perfect, 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 it's just a matter of time before they're extremely not perfect. Yeah. And then panic ensues. And it's, it's fine. A lot of 
times you can just say, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. It's okay. Like what led to this? And maybe you catch it a little bit earlier. You say you're really on it. Like, yeah. Is this feeling okay? Yeah. Do you feel like you're, you know, restricting? Do you feel mentally okay? Like you check in and maybe they'll say, you know, it is a lot. It's a lot of effort. Some people love it. And some people say, you know, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to take the week off. And it's like, wow, you don't even need me. But ah, it's tough. There's so many different things that, but I think what you're saying is balance. Balance. And it has to be built in. And this is a perfect week for balance, whatever that means to you. Like we said, it can mean a lot of different things. You tell yourself maybe a different story about this week and generally about balance than you typically have. And whatever that needs to be. We had a whole conversation with our coaching team not that long ago that was like, how as coaches do we send the message to new clients, especially that tracking isn't the program and that our coaching isn't a program? It pains me when someone stops tracking because it becomes too much for them because life gets in the way or something's not right and they just quit because they say, I can't do your program. Yeah. And it's like, when did when did I make it seem like Tracking macros 100% of the time was what this program is. I just think they get really stuck on their idea of what something should be like. And as soon as they do anything that looks even remotely different from the way that they think is required for success, then they quit. Because they're like, well, what's the point? I'm not doing it anyways. And you're like, there's nothing to do. There's no it. There's no program. You can't fail at this. It's not a you're doing it or you're not. It's coaching. It's That's like it. if you get a ski coach and you're still learning and you don't have a good run, do you quit? No, you ask the coach for help. That's yeah. the point of a coach. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're not there to hold you accountable to showing up at the gate and doing a perfect run. And when you can't, they're like, get, get the hell out. off my mountain. <laughs> You know, can you imagine? Yeah, but that's sometimes what it feels like. And we have added language. We have done what we can on Instagram and all of our messaging to try to send that message like, this is coaching. This is very personal. This looks different for everyone. It's not a program. You don't fail. Yeah. Just it's constantly like thinking, moving forward, learning from your mistakes, gaining knowledge, like being inquisitive and curious. And I just think that people who come from and have done different diets and different nutrition programs they will manufacture their own failure because it's almost like it feels so inevitable because it's so commonplace for people to fail at diets and at nutrition programs, frankly, because they're inappropriate. They're written by people who have a lot more time developing the skill and not the knowledge and their experience. And they're like, you know, do things my way. But like you're basically asking someone to jump into 11th grade Spanish and understand how to speak the language when it's like maybe they don't even want to learn Spanish. Maybe they want to learn French. But you have to spend that time figuring out, okay, what's my path? What's going to work the best for me? What feels right? What feels bad? Like if you skip right to that 11th grade language, yeah, you're going to fail. Like what is the other alternative. And that's the whole industry. So it's just like fail, 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 fail. Failure feels inevitable. So people just start to find it. They just start to create their own failure. And then they find something even more extreme because the last thing didn't work. And then they fail again on January 3rd, 4th, 10th, 20th, 30th. Yeah. And this is such a problem with the industry. They think that the failure is like a personal flaw. It's their fault. No, but it's because they chose to do a program. Well, Let's let's like get the decision. I just I think that people buy into what they see. But when you can actually see clearly what's going on, it's not a personal failure. You're just doing something that's too hard or inappropriate. 
But the idea like, hey, to have success long term, you're going to have to do something that's really easy at first. And it's not going to get you results in 30 days. It's probably not going to get you results in 60 days. It's educational more than it is anything. And like maybe at 60 days in, we can start to figure out how to work together. Yeah. But you can't skip that part. You can't skip that part. But everyone wants to skip that part. Yeah. I had a client the other day tell me that she was feeling more confident this holiday season than she did last holiday season. And she felt that was really like a good representation of all the hard work she's done in the last year. And that to me was exactly what I like to hear. It's not about like, oh, I'm going to be able to track more. or I, you know, had more days where I tracked my food. It was like, I feel better going into this very difficult time of year when it comes to fitness and nutrition than I did last year. I feel more confident. I feel like I understand how I can strike the balance, what that means for me. You know, there's less emotion attached to it, all of those things. And that's really what I think I strive for with my clients. Yeah. And like to go back to the self-talk thing, this is a time of year this week where you can feel really alone, especially if you do rely on a support system, on coaches, on a gym community that maybe you're used to seeing. And all of a sudden you're, you know, in the middle of Ohio with your family all by yourself. And you're like, well, who the hell do I talk to when I'm struggling? You are your own like best friend and your own enemy in these situations. And so like, I know we've been harping on the self-talk thing and the affirmation, but it's so important. And I'll give you two examples. And the first was, it was a study done, I think in Emory University, and they did it on foster kids because so much of self-image, confidence, and empathy comes from early childhood development. And so they identified foster kids and children in foster care as potentially like not having that same childhood experience. And therefore, a lot of times struggling with self-image and struggling with depression and anxiety and all of these things later in life. And so what they did is they took foster children. I think the ages, they were like in their teenage years. So not children, but adolescents. And they got them to practice self-compassion and empathy towards themselves through affirmations every day, through journaling. And then they started to practice it on others. And what they found was that there was a reduction in markers of inflammation and stress that often predict poor health outcomes later in life. And so literally like practicing more self-compassion, more empathy towards, of course, other people, but also most importantly, yourself can literally improve your health, like full stop. It will help you be healthier to the extent that you can control your health. And then the second example is for a long time, it was thought that stress can kill you. Being chronically stressed out can lead to poor health outcomes It increases the risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality, which means dying of literally anything. And what they found was that they started doing research on populations of people that experience chronically high stress. And essentially, they ended up looking at two different groups. And number one was, you know, high stress. And they thought that their stress levels were a problem for their health and that their stress levels may eventually kill them. And then the second group they looked at, high stress individuals, but they didn't see their stress as a problem. They didn't think that it was going to lead to poor health outcomes. They accepted it and they felt more positively about it. And what they found when they looked at these two groups of people is that it's not stress that kills. It's the belief that stress kills that causes poor health outcomes. So the people that lived high stress lives but managed it well and didn't think of it negatively were totally healthy. In fact, they were healthier than the control group. Yeah, because. I mean, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. But stressing about stress, that's like double whammy stress. 
Yeah. That's kind of like the age thing. People who stress about getting old actually age faster. Yeah. Than people who like accept that they're aging and not let it become more than a number for them. Yeah. That's a third example Mm -hmm. of like how the way that you see things and the way that you see yourself and the way that you treat yourself and the way that you view hardship and stress and difficult situations in your life ultimately determines a lot about your situation in the future. So, I mean, that's just to say if this might be a stressful week, might be a really challenging week, it might be a different week, but number one, it's just a week and you control a lot of what goes on in your mind about the experience and the situation that you're in. Yeah. I have two things to add to that. And the first is when you're in this week and you're stressed or this weekend or you're going to a New Year's Eve party or whatever, think of Meredith's that like it's just a week. It's going to be okay Because even just calming yourself down because emotions and nutrition and I'm saying nutrition in that like, I guess, desire to eat for some people, emotional eating the more stressed you are, the more likely you are. So like worrying more about that may make it worse. It's almost like a vicious cycle. So yeah, of course, easier said than done. Be intentional about it. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yep. One tip that I have when things get stressful or I feel overwhelmed with emotion or I'm struggling to manage emotion is checking the facts and using the wise mind. Mm-hmm. And that's actually thinking and sometimes even writing it down on a piece of paper. What are the facts? It's not what you're feeling. It's not what you think might be happening. It's avoiding assumption. It's like, what are the facts? Like, this happened. Meredith said this. It's not Meredith said this because she doesn't love me. You know, there's no intent. My my mom said this because she thinks I'm worthless. It's my mom said this. Mm-hmm. And that can really take a lot of power away from it. Yeah. It takes the spiraling out of some of those thoughts. It takes the emotion out of it. Just like it just is. And then approach it knowing the facts and then offering yourself an alternative reason for why somebody may have said something or why that happened. That fact is true. And that can be helpful. It yeah. sounds kind of wishy-washy, but it's actually a pretty cool approach. Yeah, well, when I think you're it, struggling to manage, it creates dysregulated. It creates space between like your feelings and your reaction, specifically like your emotional reaction mm-hmm. to those feelings. And then by focusing more on the facts and the logic, you may actually be able to dive down into like, hey, what am I actually feeling right now? Yeah. Is what I just felt actually what I'm feeling or am I feeling something different? And then you can ask that question, like, what is that feeling? And then you can sit with that feeling because I think a lot of people just aren't in the practice of like sitting with feelings at all, accept it and then let it go and then respond. Yeah. Or ask. And by responding, it's maybe like, what do I need in this moment? Yeah. And ask yourself that you can do that. And, you know, maybe what you need is a walk. Maybe what you after that period of time, you're like, I really do want to eat a piece of this cake. Like there's a difference between reacting and responding and reacting often comes from a place of heightened emotions, whereas like responding comes from a place of like mindfulness, acceptance, understanding, and that can make you feel better and more in control, not in a controlling the situation, but like in control of yourself. Mm -hmm. The more you dysregulate and the more you react, the more off center you can start to feel. And it gets really hard to put your finger on why. But it's just like, it's the reacting and not 
you're not responding in the way that you want, really. You're reacting to this fake truth over here. Yeah. So, well, that got really deep. It did. So um, I guess what we're saying is, like, enjoy that middle part, that, like, weird week, and don't drift too close to the butthole. Or don't fly too close to the sun. Yeah. What's another one? I don't know. <laughs> um, just, like, chill, you know? Yeah, enjoy it. It's just a week. Like, mm -hmm. just put that in. It's just a week. It's just a week. Put it on repeat. Enjoy the downtime. Enjoy your family if you enjoy your family. If you don't enjoy your family, now's a great time to take up walking. Yeah. Okay, so to switch the topic just slightly, what would you say you're most looking forward to this week? Or what have you been enjoying so far this week? It's hard because we recorded this podcast before this week. Okay, well, I have been enjoying outdoor activities now that we have like a solid base of snow. So I'm presumably going to be enjoying more outdoor activities, biking, skiing. I'll probably be doing a lot of morning hot tubs this week because that's something that I enjoy doing on weekends and days where I have more time. And then also evening hot tubs. So I don't know, just, you know, we don't do a, a lot for the holidays, but just downtime. We don't ever get downtime. Yeah. I'll, I'm enjoying doing whatever I want to do. Yeah. I'm excited for a little bit less work and take just a bit of a breather just to kind of recoup and also filling that time with more skiing and relaxing and kind of cozying up in front of the fire, in front of the TV at night. And yeah. of course, cookies. Yeah. I am a big cookie person and I really enjoy my mom's Christmas cookies. Mm -hmm. And then also my mom's friend makes really good Christmas cookies and they exchange tins. I mean, there's like 40 or 50 different cookies. Yeah, I know. That we choose from. I really like being at the ski hill and stopping for lunch and having a big bag of cookies that we all share. Yeah. You, me and my dad. Yeah. And my mom. It's one of the only times that we ever actually go in the lodge for lunch is like around the holidays. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. that. It brings really me good. back to my childhood where we used to do Christmas camp, which was like a four-day ski block after Christmas, like 26, 27, 28, 29th. Yeah. We go up to Sunshine for long days. And I love that because there was no school. It was like, you know, you're usually staying up in the mountains. You don't have to worry about driving back in two days. Mm -hmm. And then my mom would bring like two big, big, big tins of her Christmas cookies. And we would, everybody on the team would have some. And then there would be some leftover on the way home. So I would eat more cookies on the way home. Just reminds me of the good old days. Yeah. It's a fun time. Yeah. Well, if you made it to this point, we do appreciate you listening to us and hope that you are having a good week. And we'll just take this moment to thank you for all of your support this year and in previous years, but especially this year. We really are very grateful to have so many wonderful people in our community, both as people who we know in person, as clients who we work with, and people who engage with us on our several platforms online. So thank you very much. We wish you a healthy and a happy new year, and we will see you in 2024.